Earlier this year, the word looked on in shock as a consortium of the world's biggest football clubs, including six of England's richest teams, attempted an aggressive and ill-advised coup of the world's most popular sport. The proposed European Super League gave all football fans a deep sense of unease. What had been known for decades, but perhaps not truly acknowledged until now, was that football at the highest level had become little more than a plaything for the planet's wealthiest men. With that has come greater and greater polarisation between the rich and the poor, a disconnect between fans and the players they adore, and a desire to maximise profits above all else. I'm sure I'm not alone when I say the proposed Super League was met by little more than a shrug in my house. In all honesty, I was happy that the cat was finally out of the bag. Take your ball and sod off, I thought. My allegiances with football have always been less about the sport and more about everything good that comes with it. The friendship, the camaraderie, the sense of unconditional inclusion. Now, it would of course be disingenuous of me to suggest that I, as a white heterosexual man in my mid-twenties, has ever had to truly deal with exclusion in any real-world sense. It would also be naive of me to suggest that football has always been a place where everyone feels welcome. Far from it. But I firmly believe that football, more so than anywhere else, has the power to enact social movements that encourage better inclusion for all. With that in mind, I introduce you to the Football Without Everyone Is Nothing series, brought to you in association with Man Markin. Every day this week, I'll be speaking to different individuals and organisations, all of whom have used football as a vehicle to improve social inclusion. As we all well know, social inclusion is a key component of improving our collective mental health. So that will be a crucial part of our focus as well. Today in episode four, we'll be speaking to Dave from Manchester St. Pauli. If you would like to get involved this week, you can, of course, find us on Twitter. Our handle is at marking underscore man. And don't forget to use the hashtag football without everyone is nothing. I'm now going to hand you over to Dave and then I will see you briefly on the other side. Yeah, um, so my name's Dave. I'm uh, one of the organisers of uh, Manchester St. Pauli. Um, I'm a St. Pauli fan for... 2007 was my first game. Um, got into it really regularly, um, and yeah, it's, it's it's become sort of an obsession, <laughs> as football clubs tend to do to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I think we've all been there, haven't we? Really. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, first of all, then, Dave, could you give us a sort of a brief introduction to what exactly Manchester St. Pauli is? Yeah, I. It, it, it sort of follows the the, the theme of um, particularly UK based, but also as it's growing internationally based um, fan groups for FC St. Pauli. So most people will be well versed in St. Pauli and have all the cliches of the club close to the Reaper Barnes, uh, sort of attended by all the punks. Uh, and it, it's developed this, um, and people will hate me for saying the word, but a cult following, um, particularly amongst leftists uh, in Britain, as they look for football uh, with a bit more of a conscience. So we've seen supporters groups pop up around the world. So we started in 2017 uh, on the back of a call out through um, our friends over in Yorkshire. Um and yeah, it's really grown from sort of eight of us meeting up in a pub to 120 odd members. And, and that's not just in Manchester, that's around the country and around the world. People join to be a part of the community. So it's we get together to watch games. We do stupid things like make T-shirts to 
um, raise money for charities. Um, and we've raised thousands since 2017 for local charities in Manchester, as well as things further afield. It's, um, it's kind of, you know, I, I was obviously aware of, of, of Hussein Pali. I, I, my first memory of coming across someone wearing a St. Pali shirt was playing football when I was a kid. And one of the lads who was much older than, than, than me who was playing, he t- had the St. Pali shirt on. And I was like, who on earth? Who, why have you got a brown football kit on? And who on earth, is, what team is that? So that was my first kind of knowledge of it. Um and then it's it's you know doing research for for this series of episodes that we're doing, just coming across how many different teams there are that are kind of you know fan bases, the, the fan groups in the UK. Yeah. Why do, why do you reckon the UK like fans in this country are so kind of taken with with St. Pauli? I think well, one of the one of the things that I've I've observed is the the accessibility now. Is, is such a big thing. So we can watch games online um, quietly. We don't admit how we do it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we, we can communicate with one another. You can keep up with a team in, in, in a much more engaged way than you could um, sort of 10 years ago when I first started going um, longer than that. But, yeah... There's nothing like it in this country yet. There are seeds. Um, there are seedlings of clubs starting to um, catch on to the social conscious thing. Um, but as we've seen this week with players being booed as they take a knee um, before the start of a game, it's a long way to go in this country. So it, it, it's very easy when you are um, of that mind to attach yourself to it because it speaks to you straight away and it's somewhere you can belong straight away. Whereas in this country, we're, we're still having to fight for those spaces uh, on the terraces. And do you do you have an English team that you follow as well, or did you, or is, is there a I started some. Uh, would go with my dad to Old Trafford in, in the glory days as they were. <laughs> um, so it was easy to grow up a football fan. Um, but when we couldn't afford to go to Old Trafford, I'd go to Blackpool with my granddad. Um, and obviously both of those got taken over and, and the, the fun got taken out of football in those places. So I, I go locally to watch Chorley, um, my local non-league team. But my match ticket to Chorley in the sixth tier, um, is it sixth tier? It might even be seventh tier, uh, is more expensive than a match ticket to St. Pauli in the second division of the German tier. And it's just ludicrous to me that, that that's the case. Yeah. It's 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 funny, is it? So uh, the lads and I that do this podcast, we're all Tramia fans. And you know, I think relatively speaking, we we our affection for the club has grown since the, the owners that are in charge now, Mark and Nicola Palias, have come in because they do have a genuine social conscience about the way that they try and run the club. You know, they were very one of the first clubs in this country to be sort of outwardly opposed to the sort of gamblification of, of football. And you know, they, they do a lot of work in the community and it's a, it's a big element of trauma and it always has been right in the middle of a very sort of deprived area. Mm. And I guess for, for, for a lot of football fans, that's, that's 
something that they've missed from their local football club, as you've just explained. Yeah, and it's especially in in this country, the way football has developed is, you know, so you take Old Trafford, which was heart, in the heart of the industrial uh, part of Manchester, and as the industry's moved out, that connection to Stratford, to, to you know, they stopped calling the Stratford end the Stratford end at Old Trafford. It was the West Stand. And that, that was a a key thread to to Old Trafford was that's where the fans came from. They walked down the road to the ground. Um, City, for all their success, um, moving to what's now the Etihad, took them out of their original community. And they've done a lot of work recently to, to, to get back into... Um, giving back to the community but you see it you see it all over you see it at Liverpool with them uh the forcible evictions to build the new main stand um the, these the these big clubs that don't acknowledge their background and, and their base because um what was it with the European Super League that the legacy fan um you know, that's not where the money is for them. So there's no incentive to recognise that. Whereas uh, St. Pauli is in the heart of St. Pauli. Um, you know, they're called the Keys Kickers, which is like the, the neighbourhood team uh, is the best way to translate it. Um, they're aware of where they are in the community um, and what a beacon in the community they are. And that, that that's a huge thing to be a part of. Did you? So I presume then, given that you were a United fan and you know had gone to the matches and been with your dad, and then I suppose around the time of the Glazers coming in would have been the, the time that you sort of stopped supporting United. I would guess. Is yeah, it, you know, it, it became a big. I did. I, I was getting bored of it anyway. You know, I, I remember going as a kid and. Um, everyone remembers the first time you go up and you see the pitch and, and your face drops and you see videos of, of dads taking sons and daughters and filming it. And the, the, those moments were gone. I wasn't turning up to Old Trafford and going, oh, this is, you know, it was flat. It was, it was just going to watch a game of football, but for 45, 50 quid. Um, which was a lot of money for me to sit there for 90 minutes going, oh, I've seen a game of football. That was a thing. Um, and I really started to lose an attachment. I think the Glazers were really just the final nail in the coffin. Um, so how did you how did you find yourself with St. Power? Then how did you find yourself drawn I, towards the club? I mean, it's everyone has a different story for this sort of thing. Mine was quite. Um, I think mine mine's quite different. So I, I was at uni, and uh, we had a friend in our halls from Hamburg and we, he just said oh, I'm, I'm going home why don't you you know get a flight and come and see me um and we turned up because oh, I've got tickets to a game for us that was brilliant I went I went to a game of football it was loud I could have a beer on the stand I could have a smoke on the stand um and you know, at that point, the Millen Tour was was falling apart, but it was there was a charm to it, um, and 
to me, it was just, it was a football experience and I walked away from it. Um, and then sort of about 2010, I found myself becoming a bit more politically conscious. Um, and uh, I, I went to a gig and saw the, the, the Gaslight Anthem and the guitarist, Alex Rosmilia, is a huge supporter of the club and he was wearing um he used to have the the, the totem cop on the back of a, a cooter as they called it the cut off denim jackets and i clapped and i thought oh, that was a really good day out that and so i started looking more into it and i really engaged with it at that point and that's when it became i need to go back out to that and it just grew and grew and it became another trip it became another trip it became another trip until uh, I think the, the not the season before lockdown, I'd done seven trips. Um, hadn't seen a single win that season. <laughs> Sounds uh, like being a Zambia fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, you know, seven trips for, for a load of defeats and draws, but um, that's not what it's become about. It's now about I go out, you know, I've got friends who I stay with, um, friends who I stand with, so I've got like a regular spot on the terrace mm. um which is you know i can say when i watch it on telly or i can see where my mates are because that's where i stand yeah um and it, it it's become my club and people ask me now you know it's the old when you move jobs oh you know what team do you support and it's like oh well this is going to be an interesting uh <laughs> <for someone." laughs> um, and you get you know the same questions why and uh you know it it, it gives people a good glimpse of who you are and what you're about, I think. One question that I did want to ask you, Dave, which I, which I think is an interesting element to the, the, the sort of, the kind of St. Pauli fandom, but particularly when you look at a kind of worldwide fandom that, that, that comes with it, is that the obviously the roots of why the club is so popular and why the club is so renowned, especially in this country, I think there's, there's probably a lot of social reasons for that, but is that it's, it is rooted in its community, that it is about how the how a club can be part of what is going on in its local area and how it can be kind of representative of that but yeah it's it's the way that it's kind of the, the sort of fable around the club and the the mystique around the club has grown has been because of its worldwide appeal yeah and i always it almost feels a little bit like there's a bit of a juxtaposition in those two things to a degree that it's 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 there's an irony isn't it that you're sat in 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 Manchester, you know, it's hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds of miles away. And your connection to a community club is a club that's in another country. Yeah, I, I, I think that speaks to the global world we live in, how connected we all are now. Um, and, you know, it, it's testament to the story um, that it shows you, you can be a success. Mm. Um, you know, you can fight the powers that be, you know, for for those not initiated. The real roots of um, St. Pauli was with the squats on the Hartenstrasse, uh, which is like the street in front of the docks, um, and people trying to forcibly, uh, the, 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 the um, Senate in Hamburg trying to forcibly evict the squatters, um, and the squatters would meet on the terraces and organise what they were going to do to fight back. There's, there's great video footage of um, the police using a, a fireman's hoist to get up to 
whitewash some graffiti and the squatters opening the window and pouring white paint over the police and them giving up. And, it, you know, it, it, it the, the, like you say, the mystique has kind of become a, a chicken and egg situation with the globalism um, and the way I have reasoned with it and have um, reconciled that sort of conflict is that the club couldn't achieve half of what it is able to achieve without the, the, the global success. And what is important, um, th there is a big joke about us being a, a marketing brand attached to a football club. Or, or, or no, a marketing brand with uh, an associated football club, that was it. Um, but the fans are the ones who keep that marketing brand in check. And it is always the fans because we're members, we own it. I, I'm a, a paid up member. I pay my subs to the club every year so I can go and vote at the AGM. I could understand about 50% now. My Germans come on a lot over the last couple of years. Um, but we're the ones who keep the club in check um, and particularly out there, there was a, a great story about we sold some advertising to uh, an energy drink um, and the, the, particularly with the new electronic boardings, it flashed up, uh, Nick's for pussies, not for pussies. Yeah. Well, with a club with the biggest female membership. Mm. And so quite rightly, the fans went to the club and said, we don't agree with this. This isn't the sort of branding we want. This isn't who we want to associate with, and that is not the message we want in the stadium. And the club came back and were like, okay, we hold our hands up. We, we've made a mistake there. Um, we need to do better. And that it, it's that constant dialogue that keeps that conflict of being rooted in the community against the, the global brand that is that is become. How do you find that sort of you know using that word legacy fans that the people who would have been you know uh, you know in the same way that i i live over the road from Tranmere and grew up two miles away and that's why i support the club the fans that grew up in the local area how do they how do they kind of what are their thoughts on the sort of worldwide supporter groups um i think largely accepting because they not particularly if you're part of an organized supporters group um so like we are in Manchester St. Pauli has to sign up to be so we're registered as an official supporters group and we adhere to the same rules that supporters groups in in Hamburg adhere to um they see the sorts of things we do and it is recognized that we just take the values and are transplanting them 900 kilometers away in in Manchester or just 900 miles and, and that I think that's the main of it that if you turn up as a as a day tripping tourist and are stood on the Zud curve taking a load of pictures it's a different matter but if, if you're out there for the right reasons because you are a St Pauli fan and and you believe what the club believes and you live what the club believes they take you in and as I say you know I've been taken into people's houses I've been been out with people's families just 
because it's you're our friend you are one of us um you know i'm a member of a hamburg-based fan club as a result of they're my friends and i am one of them so um largely it is accepted and do you find that there's ever a kind of um almost the, the one thing that comes up with things like this and, and it's not just with simpali but i find it with kind of um anything that's almost left wing i mean i would i would consider myself to be of that mind politically that there is almost an element of um you know these are the things that we stand for these you know these are the morals that we uphold and these are the values that we represent that is there any ever any danger of you know there are people who support football in a different way you know there are people who like Kylian Mbappe and Real Madrid and they're the things that they like is there an element that you almost alienate those people from wanting to be involved which almost stands in in kind of contradiction to the things that the club fundamentally stands for if you see what I mean yeah, I kind of get the point. Um, I think with something like St. Pauli, you're either all in or you're all out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've seen an instance where there was someone who they'd seen a, a Copper 90 or a Mundial of it and were, um, oh, this looks amazing, and they went to a game. Um in fact, I remember them standing uh, in Clubheim, which is the bar under um, the Zudkurva. And we were just generally discussing. The, his girlfriend was asking about the club and stuff. And um, there's a, a flag on a, a, an apartment block which says, fuck your national identity. And he was, though, I'm I'm very proud to be English. I said, that's fine, but this isn't the place to wave it around. Um, And he he started going on about the Irish trickle or, and I don't know how he got onto it, but he got onto sort of um, James McLean and and his decision not to wear a poppy on his shirt. Um, And I said, well, you know, you're probably in the wrong place if you don't think you should have that freedom of speech. And he, he got a bit defensive and I said, I think we're probably not going to agree on this and moved on to a different conversation. Six months later, he popped up um, on social media uh, calling uh, something about them foreigners, but was also bragging that it was off to the Millen tour the following weekend and another supporters group picked up on it and were straight down the throat and straight like you should not be anywhere near this and it, it turned into a bit of a thing um it got dealt with by the supporters group he sort of got involved with and you know it is alienating someone like that who whose view is we shouldn't be spending money on people who aren't born living a certain geographical landmass. Am I bothered by that personally? No. Um, I know people who aren't 100% in, you know, in line with all the values. Um, and it's typical of leftism. No one ever agrees on anything. <laughs> um, but does that stop them? You know, they know the situation they're getting themselves into. They know that they're probably going to be disagreed with by most people. Um, in the ground and 
they accept that that's the situation they're in, but they love the club for what it is. Um, and I think that that's the way it has to be viewed is you know what you're getting into at the Milan tour. Um, and if you don't like it, there are people who will police it, um, which, which sounds awful, but there's a reason the club exists as it does. Yeah, I suppose to a degree, it's protecting something that you feel is worth protecting, isn't it? Exactly, the, 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 yeah. the, there are, it, it, it's because it's, there's a lot of stuff on, on your website, particularly, but also, uh, you know, you read around St. Pauli and a lot of it's about feeling safe at the football and feeling as though it's somewhere that you're welcomed where maybe you wouldn't have been welcomed elsewhere or maybe maybe not quite as explicitly as that, but implicitly maybe feeling as though it wasn't a place where you could be and, and, and be a slightly different type of football fan, I guess, is probably where it's yeah, coming exactly. from. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, um, the club openly, you know, big flags with Che Guevara on and they're leftists to the point of communism. They turn up in the old East Germany at Dresden with um, sort of takes on the hammer and sickle. Uh, the, the ultras rock up with like an anchor crossed in the style of a hammer and hammer and sickle and not everyone there is a raging communist some people are just very socially liberal and adhere to it doesn't matter if you're gay straight bi trans black white it doesn't matter uh, just our, our joke has always been you know when we first started and we're introducing it is just don't be a dick yeah and, yeah and I, that's I, what it comes down to is you know, the person next to you is there for the same reason you are, to cheer on a club that um, does a lot of good. Maybe yeah. Not the pitch, but... <laughs> yeah, and I think, and I guess when you explain it like that, Dave, I think that's the reason why people are protective over it, aren't they, about the, about the outside influences. We've worked hard to establish an environment that is like this, so and, we are going yeah. to fight for it to still be in existence. And, and you talk of standing on the sh- shoulders of giants is... It literally was a fight for people in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, if you go to the to the ground and go to the museum, um, which is independently run of the club, but within the club. Mm. Um, but they've got pictures of the ground in the late 80s, early 90s with an imperial German flag up and the St. Pauli badge in one corner of it. Um, and that's completely uncountenable now. But they, they, they were the first club in um, Germany to have a black player, Guy Kokoakalatse, uh, in the, I think it was the early 60s, late 50s, early 60s. And it, you know, that's 20 years, 30 years, 20 years before the revolution in the club, for want of a better term, happened. And he was very openly facing racism, not just in the club, but in the area because of the colour of his skin. And so it was for the original, I don't want to call them all punks because they weren't all, but the original people who took the club over, it was a fight for them and they had to physically fight for what's there so we are protecting their legacy as it were yeah absolutely and i think that's 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 important particularly when we when we talk about football in in so much as 
a lot of the in a lot of senses nowadays in the modern world has become an environment where people don't stand for anything other than making money and i think that's what's been difficult for a lot of people to stomach hasn't it which is probably why the support has grown so much for yeah. some Pauli kind of worldwide in terms of um i mentioned there about safe spaces in terms of safe spaces for you guys when you watch the matches and when you go to football and and I suppose for for other football fans who are listening, when you say safe spaces, how do what exactly does that mean in a practical sense? This is what you get so much of the the current um, dialogue around safe spaces is it's almost creating like padded rooms for snowflakes. That's not what a safe space is. A safe space is somewhere where people feel comfortable, feel happy. Um, you know, as in the ground, all we want to do is watch football, have a good time, have a chat, make some friends. And it, it's just making sure everyone is aware that, you know, we've got a lot of um, females who turn up to watch games in the pub with us. Um, we've got people of all sorts of different uh, race, different sort of socio-economic backgrounds, and it's about treating each other as you'd like to be treated, and that's all a safe space is. Yeah, you know, if if, if you think X will find Y joke offensive, don't make it. Mm. And that that's you know, he, that's simple, isn't it? Yeah, you know, saying he shoots like a girl. Well, I'm sorry, mate, but I reckon there's a, a fair few female footballers could shoot a football better than you can. So I'd just mm. pipe down if I were you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's important that you caveated that answer, Dave. With, I think there's there's, you know, the the the, the kind of the the kind of concept around the safe space is a simplistic thing, really, and, and it goes back to what you said: just don't be a dick. And I think yeah, that's exactly. the, and, and there's too much of that, I think, at football, and that's kind of I think what's quite difficult, I think, for a lot of people to reconcile. Certainly, I found it as well. Is like so much of the time, it, there's no need to speak to somebody like that. There's just no need for it. And I, I know you're at the football, but it's not necessary. I can remember growing up going going to football and home fans calling players like Andy Cole and Dwight York the N-word. Mm. It, you know, Ron Atkinson with his infamous getting caught because the, the, the microphone was still on. Yeah. We need to move on from it. And the only way we'll move on from it, you know... Unfortunately, my dad is of the uh, mind that players taking an ear is a waste of time and why are they doing it? And my response every time is stop being racist and people will stop taking an ear because there'll be no need to do it. (laughs) 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 If they're not feeling like they're being abused just because they've got a different colour of skin, they're not going to take an ear for it, are they? So just pipe down. Yeah, absolutely. And and as well, I think what's, what's interesting when you look at where the St. Pauli supporters groups come from. They're often from areas where there are normal, there are sort of natural football tribal lines. So uh, Manchester, Glasgow, Liverpool, places like that, Belfast as well. And then there are obviously also ones in places like Southampton and Brighton and, and, and places like that. Do you think it's kind of relevant and important that they that, that the St. Pauli groups almost cross those sort of natural tribal lines that we think of in football as well in this country? Glasgow is a bit of a special case because Heisfowen Rangers and Celtic and um, St Pauli have 
connections mm-hmm. um and unfortunately the, there are signs of um you go out i mean i've been to the last three hamburg derbies um and they've almost become pitch battles for celtic rangers on it on a different turf um, so you, you'll never separate that in Glasgow, unfortunately. That is that is that is too well trodden a path for anyone yes. to divert. <laughs> um, but when you go to, you know, when you come to a, a Manchester St. Pauli screening, obviously the, there's United fans there. Um, we've got uh, in a, just in our organisers, we've got a Sheffield Wednesday and a Sheffield United fan. Uh, a, a Berwick Rangers fan, a West Bromwich Albion season ticket holder. Um, there's a, a local club called West Didsbury and Charlton. Yeah, I know that. Um, and then you've obviously got FC United. Um, so, yeah, it, it do, people are there for a common thread, which is uh, a, a small club in, in the centre of Hamburg. And that's that's what they're there for they're not there you know there may be a bit of chat about oh well you know Wednesday got relegated but so did the Blades so but it's not it's not you're not doing the football rivalry thing there you're just having a joke with someone you know and yeah it's 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 all left at the door you walk in and 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 your brown vice it's that it's that idea that there's more that unites us than divides us, isn't there? Really, and I think exactly, that's, yeah. that's kind of what it, it kind of signifies. In terms of since you've been following St. Pauli, I know you've you've been over a number of times, been to the derbies. What's been your like? What's been your highlight? Like the, the one moment that you think of, you think that was the that was the business that. Um, I think probably. so. In all that time, uh, I saw us win away in Nuremberg in 2017, and that was my first win um but i've been waiting for a home win until the uh hamburg derby in 2019 so in, in a footballing sense um that would be because i, I just remember even at two nil up and we're into injury time like we're going to mess this up because i'm here I'm the curse, it's my fault. Um, That's such but, a Manchester way of thinking about something, it's just, it's, it's just the only way you're thinking. It's just, I can watch us lose a lead as though we're being paid to do it. It's, it's unbelievable. So, yeah, that, that is in a footballing sense. In, um, in a social sense, uh, it's probably when we've been out... Um, and people recognise the Manchester St. Pauli logo if we've got a T-shirt or a hoodie on and want to talk to us about it because they've seen what we do on social media. And like, oh, you're here. Oh, it's brilliant. It's great to see you. And we, as I say, you know, we've now got great friends out there who, when we go out, you know, we do buy our rounds, but we wouldn't need to because they're just so welcoming of you being there. So it's... Um, it's it, it's home away from home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the gear is really good. I was looking on the website and the, on the shop. It's really good. The stuff and, and 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 you know, you were talking about the kind of charity elements of it as well, isn't it? And you, you know, you do some fundraising and and, and for local man, you know, charities in Manchester and the money that you kind of raise and that type of thing goes goes towards that. And I think that that's the type of community spirit really is that you try and foster. Yeah, and that's it. It's. Yeah. We're fortunate 
Um, you know, I'll never forget someone once saying to me, "Oh, it, it's easy to be, you know, that socially conscious when when you, you know, you you're well to do middle class." I'm like, well, I pay my mortgage like everyone else. You know, I've got bills to pay. I do this in my own time, and I buy my merch and contribute to those those benefits. Um, you know, and I'm just fortunate enough that I can afford to go out. Um, but there are people who want to belong to it who can't the same way. And that's what running the screenings is about is, you know, come down and be a part of the community outside of it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fostering, including everyone and, and making sure everyone feels like they, they belong to something that they clearly believe in because you wouldn't want to belong to it if you didn't believe in it. Yeah, hundred percent, and that's I mean that the series of episodes that we're doing, which we kind of dubbed football is for everyone, and I think that's exactly the idea behind it, isn't it? Is that the, you know the best thing about football is belonging to something, and yeah. and and you talked about the cost of the tickets at the very top of this this recording, Dave, and how that precludes a lot of people from feeling as though they can have that belonging. So it's giving people a different different option in terms of in terms of football and being able to sort of drive forward those ideals around standing against things like, you know, racism, homophobia, sexism, all of those things that, that St. Pauli is kind of all about all those values. Why do you believe football is so, so kind of, you know, in, in a position to be able to do that in a sense? I think it's because it's such a, such a, well, one, it's so well loved and, you know, even people, you know, my mum would walk out the room if football was on, but she'll still ask me about football. Mm. It, it universally appreciated, even by people who don't appreciate <laughs> it. Um, but you, the, they are probably the biggest social space we have. Mm. Um, and I, I've said it many times before, the amount of games I've been to where I can actually remember watching the game is very nil. Now, half of that is linked to how much I drink. Um, <laughs> after a three o'clock get up for a 6am flight out of yeah. <laughs> Um But the other half is because you're having discussions with people around you. Um, and particularly as if you move to different parts of the stand and people start talking to you about why you're in. And they've probably asked the same question to hundreds of different people, but they like to discuss it and they like to know that people are attracted to it by um, the social and political aspects to the club, um, which is great. But you just start watching the game because you end up side on beer in hand chatting away yeah <laughs> and you're sort of having to listen to the crowd because particularly if you're in the zud curve um you've got the ultras and the capos and it's a constant bouncing wall of noise but you can tell when something's going to happen like going to happen because there's a bit of bit of a change in the noise and it's a bit of a murmur so you know to snap your head back round. <laughs> um so yeah it's it's one of them that oh, I kind of lost where I was going with that now. I think it's it's it's. I think you've you've kind of summed it up there, Dave, when you said about it's it's a social space 
to, yeah. to, to, to kind of puts people in a place where and gives them a, 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 a kind of unifying thing to concentrate on that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise, isn't it? To kind of yeah, and and within that you can then have those other discussions, and unfortunately that's why um, elements of the far right have tried using football in the past mm. to to recruit um, to give. Uh, disaffected young men an outlet for their disaffection um, because you've got a unified thread of well you're all here for the same thing so why are you here why don't we talk about that and so it, in, it can work for and unfortunately that you, you do sort of fall down a partisan line of left or right good or bad um, and whichever side of the spectrum you fall on, you, you will argue about. Um, but both can use it in exactly the same way. Um, and in this country, I think we've not used it on the left quite as well as they have on the right. But there are glimmers of hope. And you look at things like um, Canal Street Blues, who are Manchester City's sort of uh, gay, lesbian, trans advocate group. Um, the Foxes guys who, um, when Jamie Vardy broke the oh the corner flag, corner flag which, which had uh, the pride rainbow yeah. on, and people said, "Oh, the optics of it are a bit weird." And so he signed it and sent it to 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 the LGBTQ yeah. Foxes it was, fans. It's great that wasn't it. And and to me that that was a really good moment because I looked at that and thought. I know that's probably not what he meant, but it looks off. Yeah, yeah. And the fact he, he sort of repaired that and said, I didn't mean it. Here's here's something to show, you know, I support you for, for, for you supporting me. I thought that was a really nice moment. And so those little chinks are, of light are starting to come through in this country. You know, United used to have a an anti-fascist fanzine mm. that was sold once a month outside the ground. Um Everton and Liverpool have strong left-wing links. Um, so th there's lots we, we can do on the left in this country. It's just organising, and that's the hardest thing to do. Yeah, when, absolutely. When you've got so many dissenting voices. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of people who want to kind of get involved with, with St. Pauli or, with, or with, with yourselves at Manchester St. Pauli, how can people do that? Um, so that if, if you want to get in, in, involved with the club general, just follow them on things like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, see the sorts of things they're posting about, because it's not just about football. But And then, you know, find your local group, go, go along to a screening, they're open to everyone. Um, you know, I don't know any group that, that, that hides where it's, it's screening. Um, and you know we we openly say come come to our pub the seven oaks in manchester and we've got a, a whole upstairs of the, of the pub to us on a on a match day um and have a chat with you know we we do special things occasionally like uh so most we've always trading stickers because people come from germany to manchester for different things so they come and watch the game with it. And that, that's been one of the, the I think that the most amazing thing is, is when people have come from Hamburg 
So if, if there's an away game, um, they'll travel to go and see Manchester or Liverpool and they'll be like, oh, I can go and watch it with Manchester and Pauli. Mm. And they'll bring their fan group stickers along and sit there and trade and chat. And that's it. Just just find who your local ones are and, and get chatting to them and, and get involved with their activities because there's loads of great stuff. If you're in Yorkshire, there's the Yorkshire St. Pauli guys who, and they do free, well, it's, it's pay what you can afford um, football sessions on a Sunday. Um, and what they do with, with the excess is they pay for um, local refugees to play football with them uh, or people who can't afford a game of football that, you know, they help them with kit and, and covering the costs. So that, that's all really great little initiatives that just make little differences to one or two people. Even if it is just one or two people, you touch it's worth it. Yeah, 100%. I think that's that's a perfect way to wrap up, Dave. And, and yeah, I just want to say thanks for, for your time this evening, mate. It's been really great chatting with you. No worries. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure, mate. Cool. Huge thanks to Dave for, for taking part and a big thanks to Manchester St. Pauli for arranging that interview for us. You can find out more about Manchester St. Pauli. You can have a head over to their Twitter, which is at Manc St. Pauli, or go over to their website, which is mancstpauli.co.uk. And if you don't know an enormous amount about St. Pauli itself, um, I would head over to their website. Just Google them. Just Google FC St. Pauli. Um, very interesting. A lot of a lot of stuff to read and a lot of stuff to find out about. And uh, yeah, a little sort of slightly different take on on how to be a football club in, in the kind of modern era. So we'll be back tomorrow with episode five with Karen Dobre from Lewis FC. So we'll see you then. <laughs>